Hi, and welcome to the Queen Trail Podcast. I'm still at it, and I invite you to join me in exploring and savoring life's riches and the beauty that surrounds us. Life is endlessly richer in the company of friends where we can discover and appreciate, create, laugh, sometimes cry, but always find support together. So I hope that you will join me on my podcast where I will talk about everything that makes up the richly diverse and complex fabric of a delightful life. Let's cultivate more beauty together. Queen Trow, a woman who emphasizes a life of passion expressed through personal style, leisurely pastimes, charm, and a cultivation of life's pleasures. Hi, and welcome back. I'm sure you're all recovering from a wonderful Thanksgiving week. I know I'm still recovering from a fun meal and evening at my sister's house where we ended up playing a really fun game of Uno. Who invented that four plus card anyway? I'd love to hear what your favorite foods were this year and what you're ultimately most thankful for. Even though Thanksgiving's behind us, there's always something to be thankful for in this long year. Let's be real, it's been a long couple of years since COVID hit, and I hope to make this podcast a vehicle for the good things. I don't intend to ignore or minimize the hardships of life. I think it's really important to acknowledge them, but the idea is to provide balance and refuge from them by highlighting the good things that remain constant and the new ones that come by way of change, there's a lot to be thankful for. And I can tell you that I'm very thankful for you. I'm excited to learn more about you and to share so much with you. I feel like I'm coming to a good place right now because life is in constant flow and change. It's good to acknowledge and be grateful for moments like this. This is the second of what will be many more podcasts, and I just want to take a moment to thank everyone who supported me, who wrote me, called me, my friend Mike, who helped me set up everything so that I could make these podcasts possible. And I know that last one was very short. I'm sure a couple of dozen podcasts from now I'll listen to it and just cringe, but that's a great thing to hope for, right? Because it just means that I expect to get better. Putting out the first of anything can be intimidating. And there's such a great sense of accomplishment when it's done. I look back on life sometimes and marvel at the things that I've accomplished. There's a lot of them, but they are minor in the grand scheme of things and seemingly inconsequential to some people. But They are what propel me and give me the confidence to proceed even when I'm anxious and worried. When I look at them strung out over a lifetime, I'm reminded of how much I can do. And that gives me the confidence to move forward and do so much more. And I share that because I think with the rise of all manner of media, including social media, there's a tendency for people to show off and brag about what they have that seems unattainable to others, from a sumptuous meal to an expensive fashion label to a fabulous vacation. And it can become heavy and oppressive and have the effect of keeping some people small for fear of how far they have to go to attain such heights or for fear of failure. And if you let it, it can undermine your ability to see yourself clearly and applaud the many hurdles that you've overcome, challenges that you've accepted and succeeded at, and dreams that you've turned into realities. 
I want you to take a look back at such moments, no matter how small they might seem in comparison to someone else's success, and acknowledge it. Clap yourself on the back. Cheer yourself on. It's a good habit to get into. Once a week, set a few minutes aside to remind yourself of how capable you really are. If you keep a journal, this is a great exercise to write about and look back any time that you feel inadequate about the pace of your progress. I actually had such a moment this past week. I've always been adventurous and have very few fears outside of healthy ones. Let's just say that I know my limits, but I also love a good challenge. So I've been known to walk into caves and mines that go pitch dark after a few feet without worry. I have a headlamp on, of course, but the point is that tight, cramped places never bothered me. And then I tripped over a cord about five years ago, and it took an MRI to figure out that I had torn my meniscus when I landed. I was coming around from behind my desk like I'd done a thousand times, and I had some papers in my hand that I was going to file. And so I was looking at those instead of the floor and the toe of my boot caught the cord and everything went into slow motion. I looked around for something to hang on to, but there was nothing in front of me. And I knew I was going to hit the floor in front of a room that was full of people and I was wearing a short skirt. And unless I did it right, I was going to flash everyone around me in a very unflattering Bridget Jones imitation. So I lunged sideways and I saved my dignity, but I tore my meniscus and shifted some discs around in my lower back. If there was ever a moment when dignity was overrated, that was it. I should have let them see my underwear. So I was booked for an MRI and I'd had MRIs before. I knew that they weren't the most pleasant experience. I'm gowned up. The tech takes me into the room and felt like I was in expert hands. And then the track began to take me deeper and deeper into the machine. And I honestly do not know why there's a machine designed where you have to go in head first to have a photograph taken of something that's so remotely away from your head as a knee. But that's what happened. And it was a long drawn out trip into that machine. And something happened to my brain. It was like, walking through a doorway from a healthy curiosity of tight spaces to one of all out claustrophobic panic. It was as if the rational part of my mind was watching an attempted ambush by some newly discovered irrational side. I fought it, but by the time that they got me out, the damage was done. There was no way I was going to go back into that machine. So I was sent out to the hallway to sit and wait with all of my belongings Eventually, the tech came over and he said he was going to try to capture the image in a different manner with a bigger MRI and he was going to put me in feet first. That sounded reasonable to me. So I followed him down the hallway, still gowned up with one gown facing backward and the other one facing forward and all of my belongings in my arms in front of me like a giant stuffed animal. When we got to the end of the hallway, he pushed the door open and I thought we were going to walk into another room, but I ended up getting blinded by sunlight and we were now walking into a parking lot full of paramedics and they were all staring at me. I tell you, I felt like a little kid in jammies holding my teddy bear as we walked over to a trailer that was parked adjacent to the building. It was literally a large shipping container that had been turned into a medical office, and most of it was filled with this bigger MRI. 
but the scale of the trailer did nothing to make it look bigger to me. The point was that I was going in feet first this time, and that was all that mattered. Diagnosis, torn meniscus. Fast forward a couple of years, and my kids and I decided to do one last road trip before my son Cameron went to Army boot camp. Sophie and I got on the computer to find some fun places to go because Cameron said that he didn't care where we went. And we ended up headed to Bisbee, Arizona, which is a historic old mining community that's been turned into a picturesque artisan town. And uh, we got a hotel. We decided to get the add-on package, which included a tour of the copper mine. So when the day came for the copper mine tour, we were super excited. It was within walking distance of the hotel. And there was a store, as you can imagine, full of stones and geodes and copper and other precious metal art. We got lost in it while we waited for the tour to start. And mind you, I've been down 420 feet below sea level, crossing an underground lake on a ferry inside of a salt mine in Germany. I've woven my way through the dimly lit gold mine in Julian without hesitation, Those are the memories ingrained in my mind. I had absolutely no qualms two and a half years after the MRI. In fact, I'd forgotten about that experience. They got us on the train and once inside the tunnel, the heavy metal door at the opening was slammed shut and we were immediately plunged into darkness. And once again, I was ambushed by irrational fear. That is literally what it felt like, an ambush. I told the kids that I needed to get off the ride, but that they should stay and have fun, which to my great relief, they did. I would have felt tremendous guilt if they'd missed out on an adventure because of my personal problem. The minute I got back outside, the panic passed as if it had never even been there. And I spent the entire time that they were in there kicking myself for not pushing through it. I think the worst part was when Cameron asked in a concerned and confused tone, Mom, what happened? You're always the first one to go inside of places. And, you know, you took us through that gold mine. And I agreed. I had done all of those things. I was that person or at least I had been until that MRI. If I could have reached inside of me and plucked out that part that was stopping me from participating in life, I would have. Cam gave me a hug and told me that it was all right. And, you know, that made it better for the day. But I resolved from that day forward that I would challenge myself to return to a place of trust and curiosity instead of a place of panic. I just didn't want my life to change as drastically as this phobia had the potential of changing it. The good thing is that it's not every day that I have the option of going into a closed off place, but there are things that still cause me anxiety as I acclimate to them, like snorkeling or flying. So fast forward again from there, and we were visiting the Carlsbad Caverns in New Mexico when the ranger explained that the elevator was going to go nearly 800 feet underground. I felt that panic start to rise again. It took a lot of internal negotiation, but I finally talked myself into a plan. I'd go down in the elevator, and when the doors opened, I could decide at that point to stay or to come back up. I didn't need to make the decision right there and then. So when the doors opened at the bottom of the shaft, the place was lit up like a Vegas casino, and it had a welcoming feel that drew visitors to explore the exhibits. I willingly stepped out of that elevator and spent over an hour underground. I did feel uneasy a few times, but when six-year-olds were running around me laughing and having the time of their lives, it helped me put that fear into perspective and ignore it. 
the thing is that our brains create neural pathways that make thinking about how to approach a situation almost a no-brainer. I mean, literally, our brains don't want to have to think about how to approach similar situations once it's figured out how to approach the first one. This technique is called a heuristic. It's a medical term for a shortcut or a go-to for dealing with situations. And my heuristic for approaching tight enclosed spaces for decades was that it was no big deal and I'd probably find something cool in there. I kept forgetting about the new pathway of fear that had been etched in with that MRI. This is an example of why some habits are so hard to break. That ingrained pathway is really hard to overcome. And in my situation, this is a good thing. The ingrained pathway is the one that I want my brain to use. Now, I need to break off here and state that I am not a psychologist or mental health professional, and none of what I say is meant to be used for treatment or advice of any condition. If you're trying to break a habit that's harmful to you or others, you need to seek professional help. That said, my mind's constant memory is that I'm not afraid of tight spaces until I'm in one. So I challenge myself every time. This past week, I did something that seems crazy. I decided to try out something that my pre-claustrophobic self had always wanted to try. Hyperbaric Oxygen Therapy Chamber, or HBOT for short. If you've never seen one, it's essentially an elongated duffel bag that gets inflated with 100% oxygen after you're zipped into it. The treatment's about an hour long and I purchased it at a spa that I frequent. It sat in my account for months. I wanna say practically a whole year until I was ready to use it this past week. And when I went in, I was somewhat apprehensive Brie was my tech, and she was so patient and compassionate throughout the experience. She showed me the mattress and the pillow that were in the chamber, and after ungracefully wiggling myself into it, she brought me a blanket and a two-way radio, a fan with three speeds, and she showed me that it had two light brightnesses on it. I took in my phone and my water bottle, but... As they say, all good things do come to an end. And I believe that's because you need to make room for other good things to arrive. So the moment of trust came and I let her zip me in. That was a tense moment. It's a long zipper. And once I got through it, an unsettling surprise was revealed. There was a second zipper on top of the first one. So I was double sealed in. Needless to say, I had to focus on staying calm. So I closed my eyes and breathed through it. I turned the fan toward my face and worked on being cognizant of the softness of the blanket. And Bree stood outside the window and explained what was happening as the chamber filled with oxygen and made sure that I was comfortable. Another thing is that that there was another client occupying the second chamber. And when I had walked past on the way to mine, I noticed that she looked completely comfortable and at ease. And that mental image helped me stay calm. After about 10 minutes, Brie asked me if I would be okay by myself. And I told her yes. And she reminded me about the radio if I needed any help. But by that time, I felt so comfortable. And I was even able to take a few photos of the interior of the chamber. I put the photographs up on my social media sites. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Queen Trail Podcast. That's T-H-E-Q-U-A-I-N-T-R-E-L-L-E Podcast. This goes down as a huge win for me. It's moments like this when we accept a challenge and meet our goals that we need to acknowledge with grace 
and personal high fives. We each in our own way are doing great things, accomplishing what we'd once only dreamed of accomplishing. As the great writer and philosopher Arthur C. Clarke said, the only way to discover the limits of the possible is to go beyond them into the impossible. Every time that you step past the limits of what you think you can do, you're becoming greater than you were. And that is something to celebrate wildly and with great delight. So I hope that you will take those five minutes each week and build them up into a weekly cheering ritual and journal exercise for all the great things that you have done and have yet to do. I want to hear your stories of how you've overcome challenges that had the potential of stopping you. Let's celebrate your victories together. So write me. Until next time, I wish you grace, elegance, passion, and beauty.